The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, what is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you. Monday night, Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel, and that, of course, can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. Coming to you live off of what the rest of the NFL and their fans are calling the game of the year. Well, stop me if you've heard that before. The Bills being linked to the game of the year. And of course, every time they are, it's in a losing effort. The Arizona Cardinals, Hal Murray game, the game of the year. Bills versus Chiefs, divisional playoff game. Maybe the greatest game ever played. Bills lose. And then yesterday, already being coined as the game of 2022, the best game of the regular season. Just 10 weeks through the year, it's already being coined the best of the year. And of course, what do you know? It results in a Buffalo Bills loss. 33 to 30, your final score yesterday in Buffalo, the Bills' first home loss of the season. And probably the most heartbreaking loss we've had to endure since the Chiefs game. And I think if you're going through lists of heartbreakers that the Bills have suffered over the duration of this existence of the franchise, as far as uh, regular season games are concerned, that's about as tough of a loss as I've ever endured in my life. Um, And I think it's got to be up there as perhaps one of, if not the worst loss during the Josh Allen era, not because of the fact that it was a heartbreaker, but of course the way our hearts were broken because our hearts never should have been broken yesterday. That game should have been won 10 times over. But once again, stop me if you've heard me say that before this year. Again, the Bills find a way to implode. I want to start by talking about what I had mentioned last week 
after the Jets loss. And by the way, the reason this loss hurts even more is because of that Jets loss just a week ago. Had the Bills gone out and lost yesterday, I don't care the fashion in which they lost. If it was like yesterday, you know, if it happened the exact way that it did, uh, if they got blown out, whatever, it would have been much easier to swallow having beat the Jets. But you compound what we were feeling all week on top of the, you know, uncertainty as to whether or not Josh Allen was going to be able to play what his health status was in general. And then you pile this on top of it. It is just, it, 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 we are reeling right now. I mean, this is, I just, based on the way the year started, I mean, of course, as Bills fans, we know what this feels like, this, this gut ache that you can't describe to anybody who isn't a Bills fan or a sports fan, right? Because, you know, sports fans, they get it. Everyone outside of that does. I mean, this is a type of pain and, and, and uh, just, just an unbelievable sort of sickness that can only be felt when you have this passion that we have for a sports team like we do for our Bills. I mean, I, I tweeted yesterday, I haven't felt this sick in a long time. A couple comments like, oh, grow a sack, or uh, you're a beta, it's a football team. Eh, sorry, sorry, I'm a beta. Sorry the team affects me. Sorry, I, you know, sorry there's something in my life that I enjoy so much that it makes me just as happy as it does sad during certain times. And I'm sorry to you out there, whoever's commenting those things, that you don't have that in your life, right? Because there's people out there who don't get it, and that's fine. But to bring somebody else down for it, I'll never, I'll never understand it, right? But that's why I love having you guys in, win or lose on a Monday night. And, you know, before we even get into things, thank you for tuning in tonight. I said this last week, I'll say it again tonight. You know, these are fun when we win and the bills are rolling and we can come on here on a Monday night and celebrate and, and talk about how great the bills are, but they're even more important. These sessions that we have each Monday, they're much more important after a game like that, because you are all like me. You are all the people who feel that sickness, right? That gut punch, like my man G Vonk's coming in here and saying in the comments, you feel that gut punch. So we can come in here on a Monday night. We can hash it out right? We can put it into words. We can just air our grievances because there's plenty to air, right? And then hopefully we can move on from it. But in a game like that, that's a tough one to move on from. I understand the Chiefs game, it lingered forever. That's because it was a playoff game. But this is one of those games you're not going to forget for a long time, no matter what happens the rest of the season. This is just one of those games you're not going to forget because of how it went down. And to those people who are calling it the game of the year, I can't blame them. It was absolutely absurd. This game had everything you could have hoped for as a football fan. High scoring, unbelievable plays left and right, lead changes, comebacks, utter miracles, stuff happening that you've never seen before, like the fumble on the goal line. We'll get into that in depth, of course. But as a Bills fan, that was anything but the game of the year. Anything but. 33-30, final in overtime. And to get things started here, I think that, you know, the reason this, this, this hurts even more than it, than it, you know, seems on the surface, it's because of the way the year started and how everything has gone since the bye week. We really don't have any explanation for it. We do have the injuries, of course, that's obvious, but we, we were dealing with those before the bye week. We've been dealing with them all year for the most part. And newsflash, every team in the league's dealing with injuries, right? But we had thought, you know, up until the bye, man, the Bills have the depth. They have been thriving on next man up, and they just found ways. 
But this team has taken a complete 180 since the bye week. Not just because they're losing games, but the way that they are carrying themselves on the field. I mean, I think you probably feel the same way I do. Has your confidence level not been completely drained? It used to be Josh Allen with the ball. Oh, man, I'm confident as all hell. That's where I want to be. Josh Allen with the ball, you know, situational type football, like Dave's coming in here and saying, you were confident in that Bills team to get it done on offense. The way this defense has been playing, who's praised this defense more this year than I have? This defense was undisputedly the best defense in the league. And you had just as much confidence in those guys. If the Bills need a stop, you can rely on this defensive unit to get it done. And all of a sudden, what looks like a blink of an eye, you can't rely on either side. Your gut's turning no matter what you have to rely on, whether it be a stop or whether it be a score from the offense. The confidence is gone. And not only is it gone from us, the fans, it looks to be gone from this team. And I don't know what has changed. The biggest thing that has changed, of course, is the play of the quarterback position, which has been, what else, what else is there to say? It, not good. Not good. Josh Allen is not the MVP of the NFL this year. Get it out of your head. It's gone. Done. Over. No way in hell. Josh Allen is not the MVP. It's so hard to get into the criticisms of Josh Allen because you watched that game yesterday and you are of the full belief, the full belief that if Kirk Cousins, not Kirk Cousins, excuse me, God, if Case Keenum had to play in that game, we're not even talking, we're not even talking about this game going to overtime. We're not talking about this game being within three. We're not talking about the Bills blowing it, you know, doing everything in their power to implode and hand the game over. We're not talking about that because we never would have been in the position to do it, okay? They never would have been close. That's why this is really tough. Because if Josh Allen was not able to go yesterday and Case Keenum had to suit up and play in that game, the Bills are losing it. No question. You saw it yesterday. The reason that game was as close as it was the reason the Bills were in a position to go to overtime and win the game was because of Josh Allen. The reason the Bills lost that game yesterday is also because of Josh Allen. Now, he's not the only person at fault, so don't, don't sit here and clip what I'm saying into one sentence where it's just Josh Allen's fault. But the problem is when you have a quarterback of Josh Allen's stature who is supposed to be the MVP, right? He's been the odds-on betting favorite all the way up until now. That's no longer the case. But he came into this season. He's supposed to be the MVP, right? We saw the way he ended the year last year. We saw the way he started the year this year. You see the contract handed to Josh Allen because he was being paid based on what we have seen, and that is utter excellence. Probably the second-best quarterback in the league. Some argue the first. I don't think the argument's around anymore to be the first. I think we had a lot of fun with that while it lasted. But right now, Josh Allen has not proven he's better than Patrick Mahomes. But regardless, even though there's a conversation to be had, and the fact that there is a conversation to be had, that just goes to show you how good Josh Allen is. Here's the problem. As good as he is, right? As good as he is, as, as much as we rely on him, we have also now seen two weeks in a row where the game has been handed over because of the unbelievable, mind-blowing, rookie-year-type errors from Josh Allen. And the problem is, you cannot be... you. Like, I, I said, I had said 
last week that there are 17 games in an NFL season. There are 17 games. And if you are doing something back-to-back weeks, based on the sample size of the season, that to me is a trend. There are too few games in the NFL for you to continuously do something and for it to not be a trend. In the MLB, in the NBA, right, you know, you can go through a week or two of stretch of bad play, whatever. It doesn't matter. The year goes on. Hell, you could lose uh, two weeks worth of games in both leagues, right, and still be a, a, a one seed. The NFL, it's completely different. And that, of course, is what makes this league so great. Every single game matters as much as the next. You have got to bring it every week. And I had said during the, uh, the post game after the Jets game, I said, we have now seen two weeks in a row where this defense is getting run on. They can't get a stop when it counts. And this offense is imploding in the second half, imploding in the red zone, turning the ball over at a clip that we were not even close to being able to fathom when the season started. And they're making these unbelievable, mind-blowing errors that are flat-out costing them games. Right? And I said, if that, I said, based on this sample size, you have to think it's a trend. Now we're in the third straight game of the exact same thing. We are now in the third straight game. So the ultimate conclusion here is that this is a trend that the Buffalo Bills are currently in. A downward slide of a trend. And the biggest catalyst of that downward slide so far right now has been the play of Josh Allen. And I know nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to talk about that. And I understand it. And the reason you don't want to talk about it and the reason you you don't want to believe it is because at the same time, he's also the reason that these games are even remotely close. He's also the reason the Bills have the record that they have. It's an incredibly tough thing to talk about. Because they are completely reliant on Josh Allen. It's win with Josh Allen. It's lose with Josh Allen. And you saw it yesterday. How many amazing plays did Josh Allen make? A handful of them. How many complete bonehead plays did Josh Allen make? A handful of them. And we had gotten used to those bonehead errors kind of making their way out of his game. And all of a sudden, they have reared their ugly head in a way that we have actually never seen. Josh Allen right now, whether you want to believe it or not, is playing some of his worst football statistically since he's entered the league. And I just don't know exactly what it is. I just don't. It seems like the majority of these errors are self-inflicted. This is now the third straight game where Josh Allen has had a passer rating of under 80. That is the first time in his career that he's gone through a stretch like that since week four through six of his rookie season. And he's now thrown two interceptions in three straight games. He has never done that in his entire career. So to those who don't think that he's at fault at all, he is. He is statistically playing some of his worst football to date. The other issue is you watch the game and you see a handful of plays where you're just like, who else but Josh Allen? And that's where this is so tough. A big problem is the Bills can't rely on anybody else, right? I thought the run game was looking like it was going to get its legs underneath of it. Uh, yesterday, they ran the ball incredibly well in the first quarter. They just bow on it. It just seems like every time this team does something good recently, it's erased with something bad. They do a whole hell of a lot of good and then completely erase it with a lot of bad. It's a one step forward, two steps back type team all of a sudden after the bye week. They're doing a lot of great things, but it's tough to talk about those things when they're completely erased 
by all the errors that they're, they're, that, that they're making. Just boneheaded, self-inflicted errors. Super Chats, James coming in. And he's saying, we didn't get scolded. We got McDummied. We got whatever you want to call it, James. You can put in whatever made-up adjective you want about yesterday. Because uh, I'm with you. Bryce coming in. He's saying, depth is great, but not four turnovers. 33 points sucks. But Minnesota is a great team this year, regardless of point differential. We can't give back the rock. And that's the thing. I, I had said this yesterday. I had said, if you go out and lose that game to a 7-1 and one Minnesota Vikings team, and it was a hard-fought game, Josh Allen played great. They didn't turn the ball over three times within or near the, uh, the red zone. You, you just take it, right? You're not going to win every game in this league. If you lose a hard-fought great game to a 7-1 Minnesota Vikings team who has a shamrock shoved so far up their ass, you can see it coming out of their chest cavity. You, 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 just, you just take it and move on. The problem is that game yesterday, the Bills absolutely imploded. And this is now the third straight game, even though they won the Packers game, this is now the third straight game where this team has completely imploded in the second half. These statistics in the second half are utterly mind-blowing because of how well they've played in the first half. It makes, I just don't get it. In the second half, in the second half, since the bye week, the Bills have been outscored 43 to 12. They have not scored a, a second half touchdown in almost a calendar month. By the time they take a next step, it'll be over a calendar month since this Buffalo Bills team has scored a touchdown in the second half. They have not scored one since the Kansas City Chiefs game. And this wasn't, this wasn't routine before the bye. Before the bye, the Bills had outscored their opponents in the second half, 84 to 17. 84 to 17. They have done a complete 180. Minnesota in the first half yesterday, they're up 24 to 10 in the first, uh, going into halftime. The Jets, they're up 14 to 10 going into halftime. And then the Green Bay game, they're up 24 to 7 going into half. The Green Bay game, they score three points the whole second half. They win 27 to 17. But hey, like I said that after that game, right? Hey, we're not going to really complain about it much because they still won the game and we haven't seen much of that so far from the Bills. So whatever, we'll, we'll take it on the chin and move on. We've seen it the next two games after that. That's the problem. And that's the trend. 14 to, the, to 10 against the Jets. They only muster up a field goal the rest of the game and they lose. And then Minnesota yesterday, 24 to 10 at half. They don't score a touchdown the rest of the second half. They muster up two field goals. They only score uh, three points in each quarter. The final point, of course, in the fourth quarter coming all the way at the end to tie it up. So, for starters, the biggest Achilles heel right now, undoubtedly, is what this team is doing in the red zone. It, it, is, it is extraordinary how incompetent they are currently in the red zone. Josh Allen now has four red zone interceptions in the last two games. I mean, I think coming into the season, I don't know if he had one. And I just, you, you watch all of the interceptions and all of them, it just, I don't understand the, the decision. I don't quite get it. And then yesterday, yesterday, yes, he had two interceptions and a forced fumble. He could have had more. If you remember when they settled for a field goal later on in the second half, 
when they were down in the red zone. Stephon Diggs had to break up the interception. That ball was lobbed to Diggs in triple coverage, and it should have been intercepted. Stephon Diggs had to channel his brother's defensive back skills in order to break that one up. And then the first drive of the game, Josh Allen threw up a ball that was nowhere near the, uh, the target, and it was almost a pick six right there on the first drive. So those are two that, that didn't count. Looking at the red zone yesterday, you had two interceptions from Josh Allen in the red zone, and then the, uh, the fumble by Devin Singletary, which was at the 25-yard line, so just outside of the red zone. I mean, right there, that's the game. Even if you get three points on all three of those drives, which is what you're going to be set up to do anyways, they're going to be chip shots on all three drives. That's nine additional points. Even if you turn the ball over once, you're not going to play a clean game every week. But that's three drives right there. Even if you turn it over just once. Even if you turn it over just once on those three drives, you're still winning the game. There's still six additional points. Three different times where they're right in scoring position, bare minimum of field goal. And the result is what it is. I mean, this team was up 27 to 10 with under two minutes left in the, in the third quarter. And, you know, a lot of people, right, saying uh, we're going to be fine. This isn't the end of the season. No, it's not the end of the season, right? It's not the end of this or that. They're still going to make the playoffs, right? The concern is this type of football in the playoffs, it, this isn't going to get it done. We're now talking about they have played. They have played. They have played nine games. A third of their of their games they played this year, they have been completely incompetent for a large majority of the game. I mean, that that is a wild sample size. And you take that into the playoffs, that to me is what's the concerning aspect of things. You've had now three straight weeks of this with no sign of them coming up for air anytime soon. And it's cost them two games. And if the Green Bay Packers were any better... I mean, that's just the thing. Of the, of the last three teams they've played, the Packers are the, are the worst of the three, and that's the one they wound up getting the victory in. I, I mean, that one, that, that, that is just going to... I just... I, I, I mean, if you're like me, you just sat there yesterday and you watched that game and your jaw was just on the floor. Your jaw was just on the floor. I mean, you could not make sense of it. You just couldn't make sense of any of it. And then the game's over. And even, even me right now, I'm still sitting here just completely in just utter shock at the way that that went down. The crazy thing is here, it's just the 180 when it's come to everything. You cannot tell me when we went into the bye week that you did not feel the utmost confidence in this team. Not only, I mean, I'm not even going to, even bringing this up is insane to me because there's nobody in their right mind going into the bye week who thought that this team wasn't going to run away with the division. Just utterly run away with it. That wasn't even a topic of conversation. That's how much confidence we had in this team in the division. And that's how good they looked. And that just seemed like a foregone conclusion. Right? They're now third in the AFC East with four more AFC East games to go. 
with a stretch of their division being back-to-back-to-back AFC East games. Going into the bye, they had a game and a half lead on just about everybody in the AFC. They had just beat the Chiefs. You saw that their schedule was going to ease it easy up or uh, lessen up. So you thought after the bye. And now all of a sudden, they're sixth in the AFC. Sixth. And they're the only team that is currently slated to go into the playoffs right now. Of those seven teams, they're the only team who has yet to win a game in their division. I mean, it was a literal blink of an eye, a blink of an eye. And this is where we're at. I just, it is unbelievable. And it's the way that they've lost these games too. It's, it's, that's the whole thing. And then you pile on yesterday, you pile on yesterday with that Jets loss. I, I, I. The whole thing to me now is the confidence level, right? You looked at the rest of the schedule going forward, and you you just you you like I've done this on the show. You go through the games, and you're like, I just don't see how they lose that game. I don't see how they lose that game. I mean, now you're questioning everything. The pat the 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 Browns come to town this week, and I, in the beginning of the year, I would have been like, oh my god, guaranteed W. Now I'm like, they got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, probably the best running back duo in the league, and this team all of a sudden can't stop the run, right? That's what I'm saying now. And the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, I would have thought that the Bills would have ran them out of the building, and they very well still could. But they're hanging up 30-plus points every other week, it seems, as well. Or I'm, what I'm getting at here is, do I think the Bills are going to lose to the Browns or the Lions? No, I don't. But my confidence has been utterly shaken up. Utterly shaken up. And that's just something I did not think that would happen this year. It's just the way things started. So let's talk about the let's talk about the different logistics throughout this game of of, of everything, right? Because it, I got the, there's people in here saying you know let's stop the blame game or this and that. I mean, what are we gonna do? We're we gonna sit here and just pretend yesterday didn't happen? What do you want to do? You want to sit here and have a tea party? Because th- th- that's not gonna happen. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like yesterday was all roses and, and everything's peachy and we're just gonna move on from it. I, I mean, as a fan, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. What reason do you have to feel that way right now after the last three weeks? What reason? I'm so sick and tired of people saying, oh, it's just, it's just a bad stretch, you know, just a bad stretch. We'll, uh, we'll get through it. Or they just got to avoid the mistakes. Well, guess what? It's been three straight weeks of mistake after mistake after mistake. So when are they going to clean it up? Because I keep saying, oh, they just got to clean up the mistakes. Well, when's the cleanup? When's the cleanup? Because it's a whole lot of mess right now. I haven't seen anybody try to clean anything up recently. Luckily for them, they have two games in a row here where they're going to be heavily favored, which is a blessing. It's not like they have to play two of the tougher opponents on their schedule coming up here. So thank God. They have an opportunity to get right here, but they have got to take advantage of it. They have absolutely got to take advantage of it. Because things can get out of control quickly here. Quickly. And we have seen it spiral. Three straight games in the second half where this team has absolutely spiraled. And I just don't quite understand how the hell it's ta- how the hell it's happening. The crazy thing about yesterday too is, before we get into the, the nitty gritty of what happened, you know, in depth yesterday. The crazy thing about yesterday, the Jets game they were kind of flat all game. You know, 14, 10 and a half. It was never really inspiring. None of it ever looked great. It was just an off day completely. Yesterday, I mean, they were rolling. 
they were rolling yesterday. 24 to 10 at half. They were getting the ball down the field with ease. The defense was standing tall. They only allowed one touchdown drive, and that was the opening drive of the game. They were rolling. How you can go from doing that to completely and utterly imploding in the second half, it, it, there's just no way to make sense of it. it. It There really isn't. How do you play that well in the first half to go out and play that poorly just 10 minutes later? This team was so consistent up until the bye, and now their consistency is, is boiled down to being real solid in the first half, and you can bank on them being real shitty in the second half. So a lot of people want to talk about, you know, all right, what, what went wrong yesterday? Well, a lot went wrong, right? A lot went wrong. A ton. And you look at the scoreboard and you see 30 points from the offense and you think, hey, that's got to be a good day for an offense, right? 30 points. And you see 33 points allowed to the, uh, to the opponent. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, that was a real off day for the defense. Both things can be true. I want to dive into the defense first. But before we do that, a couple more uh, super chats here. Chase coming in. Let's be honest. It sucks to lose, but does anyone remember all the bonehead plays Stafford made in silly games the Rams lost last year? Neither do I. See, I I like the thought process, Chase, right? Because you're trying to find the silver lining. And I totally get it, right? Because that's That's a good way to be, right? You want to find a way to feel good about what happened yesterday. And I've heard that too. Right, I think the Rams lost every single one of their games last year in November. And the year prior to that, I know that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a real tough time in the beginning of the year before things got going their way to win it all as uh, the year ended. The problem I have, though, is just the consistency of errors that are the same errors that have happened now three straight weeks where there doesn't seem to be any addressment towards, there doesn't seem to be any uh, improvement. And let's face it, I mean, the way that this team was playing in the beginning of the year, I don't think the Rams played nearly as good as that they did, the Bills did in the beginning of the year at any point last year. The Bucs didn't the year before. The Bills had come out in the beginning of the year when I thought they had the most pressure on them. Everyone's saying they're going to the Super Bowl. Everyone's saying that they're the clear-cut best team in the league. They were living up to that and then some. I mean, we were getting to the point where we were asking if the expectations were too low. And that, to me, is what's so disheartening about this. I understand what you're saying completely, because it is true. And for all we know, this could be just a rut, and next thing you know, the Bills make us forget these three weeks ever happened. But all I know is the current moment. That's all I know. And what I know right now is this team is a shell of itself compared to what it was before the bye. And I know anybody out there who wants to deny that, deep down, you know it's true. 100%. James coming in. James saying, 27-17, we are second and two just outside the goal line. We don't even try a freaking run. Thank you. That's going to be part of what I talk about later on. Two BS pass plays. Fourth down, kick the GD field goal, chip shot, 30-17. to Nope, McDermott does. Or no, or nope, McDermott goes for it. Yeah, of course, that's going to be a big part of what we talk about here later on when we get into the offense. I want to talk about the defense here, though, real quick. Maybe not real quick. We'll see how long it takes. I got nowhere to be. 
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep. Thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep. I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow. That's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. This defense yesterday, like I said, You look at the scoreboard and you're thinking the defense probably had a real rough day. And yeah, there were moments yesterday where they did have an extraordinarily rough time. I mean, let's let's just face it. For starters, Justin Jefferson probably just delivered the greatest wide receiver performance against the Buffalo Bills in my lifetime. I mean, that is as good of a wide receiver performance as maybe I've ever seen, and it sure as hell is as good of a wide receiver performance as I've seen against the Bills. That dude is a freak. He catches everything that comes to him. It's incredible. He put on a master class yesterday. And the crazy thing is, Stephon Diggs d- did the same. Stephon Diggs played incredible yesterday, as he has week in and week out. But to go to show you just how great Justin Jefferson was yesterday, nobody's even going to remember what Stephon Diggs yesterday. Because Justin Jefferson basically single-handedly won that game from the Vikings yesterday on offense. The amount of plays that he made, and then one additional play with Dalvin Cook. That was the offense yesterday for the Minnesota Vikings. So this defense could not stop a nosebleed when it came to the ball being thrown towards uh, Justin Jefferson's way. That was just the way it went yesterday. Made some of the greatest plays. I've That, that catch he had on fourth and 18 was probably the greatest catch I've ever seen or on a very short list of them. That's for sure. That is for sure. And like what Scott's saying here, when you, when you got a bunch of undrafted guys or late round guys uh, in the backfield trying to stop that, good luck. Sidebar, by the way, uh, the Tredavious White situation, too, I'm starting. That's another thing that's just got me scratching my head in, in concern. I don't get it. Sal Capaccio tweeted out today because I was under the impression that maybe we'd see Tredavious White in the Green Bay game. Maybe, but I didn't, I didn't think we were going to. I thought they were going to arrest him another week. Thought maybe there was a possibility we'd see him in the Jets game, but I thought that they were more than likely going to just let him sit for that game because, hey, they thought they were going to win it, right? But I was, I was really banking on Tredavious White being back for this game. I thought he was going to be back. And he wasn't. And Sal Capaccio tweeted out earlier today uh, at around 4 o'clock this afternoon. He said, quote, I'm not going to get into physical versus mental. He's just not in a position where he's ready. And that quote was from Sean McDermott. And uh, McDermott says they're still taking it one day at a time. So McDermott was telling the press, he's just not in a position where he's ready. And it makes you wonder if and when he's ever going to be ready. Because yesterday is one of those one of those moments, right, in the season where you're like, man, oh man, I wish Tredavious White was out there. Man, oh man, I wish Poyer was out there. Oh God, do I wish Micah Hyde's out there, right? And then in the second half, too, right, Tremaine Edmonds goes down, and it was just adding fuel to the fire that was already, you know, spreading throughout the the forest. It seemed with this banged up backfield for the Bills. D. I mean, thank God Matt Milano was back. Another great game from Matt Milano. Can only imagine how much worse it could have been without him yesterday. But, you know, let's talk about what the D, 
you know, failed on. And that, of course, is covering Justin Jefferson. But I just, it, 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 like, like, like we just spoke on, it's really tough to cover probably the best wide receiver in the league when you have a bunch of guys who would not be starting on your team if it weren't for injuries. But that's still no excuse for a 193-yard performance. I mean, that's just as good as it can possibly get. And a lot of that, too, was him just making, you know, world-class catches like that fourth and 18. What are you going to do? We can sit here and bang on Cam Lewis all we want. Yeah, did he help aid the catch of Justin Jefferson? Absolutely. Did he try going for the interception? Absolutely. Does he know damn well that he screwed up? Yeah, no one was harder on him after the game than himself. I mean, he was beating himself up. You imagine how bad he feels right now? I mean, it's the truth. At the end of the day, though, who, who else is catching that ball? Justin Jefferson and I, who else, really? I mean, I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you. That was as fluke of a, of a play as it gets. And that's the, that's the scary thing here. And it's just one of those things where you, you always come back to this. Are the Buffalo Bills cursed, right? Because sometimes that just feels like it's the only way to explain things. The 13 seconds last year, the Justin Jefferson catch, fumbling the ball on your own one-yard line. Has that ever happened in the history of the sport? I mean, sometimes it just feels like they're snake bitten and there's no antidote. I mean, that's just how it feels sometimes. Truth be told, that really just feels like that's the only explanation at, at, at certain points. When he comes down with that ball, how do you not sit there and just go, I, I, uh, I, I got nothing. Miracle. Miracle. When you see them put their hands up in the air for a touchdown for the Vikings after that defensive stop, they're going on to win the game. How do you not sit there and say there's just, I, that was actually one of those moments, not to get into it early here, because I want to get into it later on when I talk about the offense, but just to kind of put a bow on this uh, particular moment in the game. That was one of those moments where I was so stunned. And so I've never, I don't think I've felt that numb maybe in my life. I couldn't, I literally, you know how people say, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, yeah, it's hyperbole. Everybody says that. I legitimately could not believe what I had just witnessed. I couldn't believe that. There, there, was, there, was, there was like 90% of my brain that refused to believe that that just happened. Well, I was just thinking to myself, there's just no way. That's impossible. There, that's just, I'm pretty sure Joe Davis said that on the call. He goes, it's impossible. Because it felt impossible. There's no way that, that, there's no way, right? And the next thing you know, they're lining up for the extra point. Johnny coming in here. Taking three is important. Seven is better, but three is good enough sometimes. Cursed is being a fan of this team in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Eh, a real good buddy of mine is a Leafs fan, so I hear about that all the time. So I can only imagine that you get a double dose of what we get from the Bills at times and then, of course, <laughs> with the Leafs. But So back to this defense before we get into all this stuff with the offense because there's plenty. When we're, when we're talking about the defense here, we can, we can harp on all the things that went wrong yesterday, and there's plenty of them, right? As we have already summarized, the day that Justin Jefferson had, I think a lot of that was just him balling out. There was only so much they were going to be able to do there, but there was plenty of times where they could have adjusted and they didn't, but you have to wonder if that just came down to the personnel that was out on the field for that game. He goes off just South of 200 yards. And then of course the Dalvin cook run, just when I was ready to say, thank God this bills defense found a way to get back on the horse when it came to defending the run, because they had been getting gashed the last several weeks and I had just felt that with a running back like Delvin Cook, the way that they had been playing him and that Minnesota Vikings rushing offense well into the third quarter, I was satisfied, to say the least. I thought they had done a great job of bottling him up. 
Nope. 27 to 10. With under, um, with under two minutes left. In the third quarter. 81-yard touchdown. It just can't happen. I mean, how many times do we have to go through this? It happened last year, right, against the Titans. Happened last year against the Colts. And uh, here it is, right? There it was. I mean, just when you thought that this Bills team, even though that they were, you know, you could tell that they were a bit sluggish on offense again in the second half, you, you still said to yourself, it's 27 to 10. I don't think, you know, I, I just think they have a good enough cushion, cushion here. The way that the, the Vikings offense has been playing, they can't score. And then the game is completely altered right there. So that's, th- those are the things that stick out the most, of course, when it comes to this defense yesterday. And like I said earlier, you look at that scoreboard and you say to yourself, oh, you allowed 33 points. Must have been a hell of a bad day on defense. Let me transition here into why I put almost the entirety of the blame or the majority of the blame, rather, on this Bills offense yesterday. Because what won't be talked about when it comes to this Bills defense yesterday is the extraordinary plays that they made. This Bills defense yesterday had three goal line stands. Three. Do you know how hard it is to do even one? It is the NFL. You have a bunch of grown men lined up, and all they got to do is get an inch. And this Bills defense shut down the Vikings in goal line territory three separate times. They stopped them early on in the game. They stopped them at the end of the game. They stopped them in overtime. I don't care what you did the rest of the game. They won that game yesterday for the Bills. The Bills defense won that game for them. Not only did they shut the the Vikings down on their final drive of the game in regulation, they did it twice. Fourth down on the inch line. The Bills jump off sides. Had they not have jumped off sides, they would have stopped the play. The ball was dropped. Defender wasn't was in the area. Didn't get it. Okay, off sides. Damn it, right? Kirk Cousins QB sneak. They shut him down. They shut him down. Ball game. Ball game. Not to be. They do it again in the in overtime. They do it again in overtime. They did it earlier in the game. Not only did they have three goal line stands, they also had a fourth and one stand as well earlier in the game. So we're talking about four different drives where the Bills absolutely shut down the Vikings offense in critical scoring territory four separate times. They also picked off Kirk Cousins twice, right near Minnesota territory, both times. The Bills offense accumulated three points off of those two interceptions. Three. That's it. And it wasn't like they picked the ball off on the opposite end of the field. It was right near the 50 or over at both interceptions. Three points was mustered up off of those uh, those two interceptions. Does the D deserve blame for yesterday's loss? Absolutely. Unequivocally. 100%. But did they do enough to win that game? You bet your ass they did. Did they put the Bills in a position to win that game? You bet your ass they did. And the Bills offense found a way to screw it.
goal line stand to end the game. How many snaps do you think Josh Allen has taken from Mitch Morse throughout his career? A, a million? It, the first thing I thought of when that play happened, it was, it was the Super Bowl. It was, it was Patriots-Seahawks, right? The, in, the infamous uh, Malcolm Butler interception on the goal line on Russell Wilson. He had taken it. He had, when he picked that ball off, he had taken it outside of the, uh, the end zone. And the Patriots had to go out and find a way to get out of that one-yard line territory in order to salt the game away. And Bill Belichick and all of his evil genius found a way to take advantage of the defense, who was, of course, pressing, trying to get the safety or a fumble or get the ball back. They were jumping the ball. Tom Brady ran a hard count. They immediately jumped off sides. Ball game. They bring the ball out to the five-yard line, and the Patriots have enough room to take a knee and shut it down. Yesterday, look, you can blame whoever you want. You can, you can blame Mitch Morris, right? I've seen people in here tonight already. It was a bad snap. Mitch Morris's fault. <laughs> you don't know that. Let's just, let's just cut it down the middle and blame them both. But either way, Josh Allen played a hand in it, and this was after he had already thrown two interceptions in the red zone. Or, excuse me, one interception in the red zone. That, that, can, I, I just, that, that play, I will never forget that play. I will never forget that play as long as I live. I, I, we've never seen it before. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. Do you understand how rare that moment was? I heard this earlier, courtesy of uh, PFF and Mike Florio. This is insane. That touchdown yesterday for the Minnesota Vikings off the botched snap was the first time a team took the lead in the final minute of regulation since the miracle at the Meadowlands in 1978 when Herm Edwards picked up the fumble and ran it for a touchdown. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The play that officially brought in the invention of the QB kneel down to end the game because they, whoever they were playing, I think it was the, uh, the Jets at the time, Giants, whatever, who the hell cares? They ran the ball, fumbled, Herm Edwards picked it up and ran it for a touchdown, and that was the end of the game. 1978, that's the last time anything remotely resembling what just happened yesterday has happened before. Going on 50 years. And to do that, and I, 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 like, I, I get it, right? I mean, shit happens, man. Shit happens, doesn't it? Sure as hell happens to the Bills, right? We, we've seen it before. But for the defense to ball out like that and get the stop on the inch line just when you thought the game was over, to do that and then immediately... Uh, I, I can't, I can't believe it. All you got to do is fall forward. And look, I, I, I mean, even if they get a, even if they get a, a safety, right? I, I saw people saying, just purposely take a safety. No, you can't do that either. Do you remember what happened in the divisional last year? Tell me you couldn't see right now, Josh Allen taking a knee in the end zone. Okay. They give the ball back to the Vikings and there's Justin Jefferson making, uh, making a, the play, of the, the play of the century down the field to catch it, put the Vikings in field goal territory, win the game. All they had to do was fall forward or, I don't know, anything but what happened, right? They had to do anything but what happened. 
to even keep the game close or to keep the game within, you know, winnable territory. And then you can say, okay, yeah, the offense made up for it right afterwards, though, and they went down the field and got in field goal territory. They, they shouldn't have been there. Gabe Davis didn't catch that ball. They lucked out. They got lucky. Now, you know, I'm not going to sit here and harp on that because, hey, sometimes the cookie crumbles and it crumbles your way. And the Bills had it crumbling their way. And even then, they still couldn't win the, win the game. Even then. Because that was not a catch. And the NFL came out and said so. The NFL has come out now and said that they, that that play should have been reviewed and overturned. So yeah, they did go down in force overtime. Shouldn't have counted. But either way, though, that just goes back to my point where you lose with Josh Allen, you win with Josh Allen, right? Because you lose it right there with Josh Allen on the inch line, and then who else is going to bring you all the way down the field to put you in position to tie the game with 30 seconds left and no timeouts but Josh Allen, right? Whether Gabe Davis's catch was real or not. Hey, they counted it, so guess what? It counts. So he did, yeah, you're right, you know what I mean? And then again, so now we get into overtime, right? And of course they lose the snap. Of course, or the, 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 the coin toss, of course. I mean, would you not have bet your entire life, your, all your savings, your house, your, your life, would you not have bet the Vikings were winning that toss? I mean, it's inevitable. It's just inevitable. I mean, there's not a thing on this planet I wouldn't have wagered on that not happening. Not a thing. Would have bet my life on it. And the Vikings get the ball. Down the field. And then Justin Jefferson, unbelievable catch, splitting two defenders, toe taps right in front of the, uh, right in front of the pylon. And you're just, yep, game's over. Right, game's over. Bill's defense finds a way again. They have been the kings of bending and not breaking. They did this yesterday. And they shut them down. They, they hold them. I mean, guys, the Vikings were on the two-yard line. They shut them down. Forced a field goal. And this right here, and I understand, look, I'm never going to convince the crowd. And, and, and I, I just, I, I always try to tread carefully here. Because I, I can't stress this enough. There, there is nobody on earth that loves number 17 more than this guy right here. Do you understand what that guy has saved me from? The misery that was being a Bills fan my entire life up until that guy walked across the stage and took that jersey from Roger Goodell. Do you know the 180 that my sports fanhood life has taken since that happened? Forever indebted to the guy. But we have absolutely got to stop tiptoeing around the blame that he rightfully deserves. And here's the thing you have to remember if you don't want to put the blame on Josh Allen. Who do you think Josh Allen's blaming this morning? Himself, because he's well aware of it. Do you see him after these press conferences? And that's where I give him all the credit in the world. I really do. You, there's some guys, like I, I think Aaron Rodgers, for instance, where it's just like you look at him after the game and you're like, does he care? And there's a player on this team that I want to get into in a minute, speaking of, speaking of this circumstance. You know, I'll do it right now. You can go watch this afterwards. I didn't want to play it on here because I, I didn't know if it would be copyrighted or not. I don't want to get the video taken down. Go watch Von Miller's post game yesterday. I love Von Miller. I love what he's brought to this team. He's been an absolute X factor for this defense. Once again, yesterday, when they needed to play, third down, he gets the sack. Little did we know, Justin Jefferson, the next play on fourth and 18 would make the play of the year. Should have saw it coming, right? We're Bills fans. But Von Miller put him in a great spot, didn't he? 
But after the game, Von Miller talking about how much fun he had yesterday. I, I had fun. I'm not worried. I had fun. He said, I can't wait to see the celebration that Kirk Cousins does after the game. I don't want to read too much into that, mainly because it's going to piss me off. But I got to tell you, that wouldn't be me. That's for sure. You know, a guy, a guy like Von Miller, I get it, man. This is his third team. He's already got his rings. He's got his money. He probably does not. I mean, let's, let's face it. Does he care? Yeah. Does he care as much as everybody else? Probably not. Does he care as much as Josh Allen? Fuck no. And I don't think there's anybody in the league who does, really. I mean, Josh Allen is on a short list of guys that live, breathe, die. This sport, this team, and game in and game out. You can see it on Josh Allen's face, right? You can see it in his body language, the way he talks. He won't even look anybody in the eye after these games. And that's where I give him all the credit in the world. But to all those people who do want to avoid all the blame possible, right? Ball hit somebody's helmet, or it was Mitch Morris's fault on the uh, fumble, or you know Josh Allen's just trying to make a play in the red zone when he throws these picks. I mean, go ahead and do that. But just remember, nobody's blaming themselves more today than Josh Allen is. And the, and, and the Von Miller thing, man, I don't know what to make of that. I got to tell you, I, it doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit well with me. I hated that. I hated to hear that. The last thing I want to hear after the game is how much fun you had during. I don't give a shit how much fun you had. I didn't have a whole lot of fun. I can't imagine. How does anybody leave the field thinking they had fun yesterday? How, that's fun? Losing a game like that's fun? But I think, that, you know, we, we don't realize this as fans a lot of the times because the blinders are up. But, you know, not everybody in this league really cares. And I'm not saying Von Miller doesn't care. You have to care to some degree to be as great of a player as he's been his entire career. He certainly cares to some extent. But at this point in his career, does he care as much as the next guy? I don't know. Probably not. Is that fair to say? Probably not. And that's fine. Von Miller is a piece we brought in to put it over the top, right, and have that additional X-factor guy, right? He's not a guy that the Bills have built around. He's not a guy the Bills drafted. And frankly, you look at Von Miller and where he's at in his current career, he could hang it up today and would he care? No, he wouldn't. Why would he? Two rings, guaranteed Hall of Famer, all the money in the world. All I'm saying here is I'm about to get into the, the, the Josh Allen interception in the overtime and how just egregiously bad it was. I just want you to remember, even though we're going to have to levy out some blame here, even though Josh Allen is to be blamed heavily over the last three weeks for his play, just remember, nobody on that team cares more than 17. Nobody. And that is a luxury that we have as Bills fans and not many other teams can say. I, I full-heartedly believe that. And Von Miller, I, I love the guy. I love him on this. I love him on this team. I love what he's done for this team. I think he has immeasurably helped out this defense, not only with his play, but what he has taught the rest of this defense. But yesterday, man, that did not sit right with me. Didn't. I'm sorry. Overtime. Bill's defense stands tall. Bill's defense, they do what they have to do. They bend but don't break. They let them all the way down the field. Justin Jefferson, like I mentioned, an unbelievable catch on the sideline right before the pylon. You're thinking this ball game's over, right? How could you not? The way things have been, you know, the way things have been going. How could you not? And they find a way. Again, the third time in that game, they find a way. 
to shut down the Minnesota Vikings in a surefire scoring situation. Bills get the ball back. And, you know, at, at, at this point, you're thinking to yourself, when, when the Vikings had the ball right in front of the goal line, you're thinking to yourself, man, once again, J.A. is not even going to get a chance. He's not even going get to a, get a crack. Just like the Chiefs game. He's not even going to get a chance. But they gave him that chance. They gave him that chance. And they're clicking on all cylinders again. All of a sudden, right? That's the amazing thing. That's the amazing thing. You cannot... I don't understand this. How can you be as good as you were in the first half and then in the second half completely disappear and then with 30 seconds left in regulation without any timeouts, you waltz down the field again, whether that you know catch counted or not, they counted it. You waltz down the field again, score, and then in the overtime here, you do it again right down the field. So there they are, right? All the way down the field, tic-tac-toe. They're set up. They're set up to win. At the very least, tie. And it's second and 10. It's second and 10. And guys, there was just no, there's no other way to summarize this. There, that, that, that was one of the worst decisions any quarterback could have possibly have made in that situation. It couldn't have been a worse decision. It wasn't fourth down. It wasn't the last play of the game. It was second and 10. And they still were able to get a first down if need be. I mean, let's flash back to the fourth and two situation earlier in the game. Would I have kicked the field goal? Absolutely. But hindsight's twenty twenty. I can never knock McDermott for knowing that he has Josh Allen and he has two yards to get to get a to get a first down and to get potentially more points and salt the game away. I can never fault him for that. What I can fault is the execution. How is it third and two? And you are fully aware, obviously that you're going to be going for it on fourth down. That's a decision you make prior to third down. You don't just pull it out of your ass. You know, you're going to be going for it. How do you not attempt to run the ball? On third and two, Josh Allen threw it to the end zone. It was third and two. On fourth and two, Josh Allen threw it to the end zone again. Why? How? How do you not just at least attempt to run on third down? I understand throwing it one of the downs, but if you know you're going for it on fourth down, how do you at least not try to move the sticks on third with a run? I don't care if Josh runs it. I don't care if... Shit, Duke Johnson, who all of a sudden is a part of this team uh, on offense now. More than uh, Naheem Hines, right? All of a sudden, no, give it to anybody. I don't care. I don't care. You don't even attempt to run the ball, and you throw it to the, to the end zone, both downs. Why? You don't need a touchdown there. You need two yards. The same thing, the reason I bring that up, right, is because you can, you can get on McDermott all you want for the field goal. I mean, in my opinion, would I have taken the three points? Yes. The way that the Bills D had been playing, the inability for the Vikings to put points on the board, three points would have meant a great deal. But I do not fault them for going for it. Who I do fault is Ken Dorsey for the play calls. 100%. 
And I, I, I fault Josh Allen for the for not for not having the wherewithal to understand that we do not need a touchdown on this on the on this down or both downs. We need two yards. That was just brutal. I mean, even if they run it both both downs and they can't get the two yards, at least you can say that they tried their best to get the first down. On those two plays, I don't even know if you can say that. They weren't going for the first down. They were going for a touchdown like it was the end of the game and they had two plays left and they were down by six. And they and, and, and to that point, I mean, they just, you know, they flat out abandoned the run game. They ran... <laughs> The fourth quarter and overtime combined, the Bills ran it twice, two times. Two design runs. Two design runs to running backs. In the fourth quarter and overtime combined, two runs. Eight combined runs in all from the, half, from, from the uh, second half on. Bills go to half. They run the ball eight design times the rest of the game. After earlier on in the game, they were running it pretty well to their standards. And hey, Singletary had two touchdowns. We haven't seen a non-Josh Allen touchdown, I don't think, since uh, the Great Depression. Finally, we had some semblance go in there, and it just like we it just disappears. We get away from it. I mean, even later in the game when we're trying to, to milk the clock out, they don't give them the ball. And then real quick before I touch back on the overtime, the, the whole Naheem Hines thing, I just don't understand it. Why did they trade for him? I don't get it. The Bills ran 75 offensive snaps yesterday. 75. Naheem Hines was on the field for six of them. He didn't get one single carry. Not one. Not a single carry. And he had one touch the whole game. A pass for nine yards. That's it. Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson had two rushes yesterday. Naheem Hines had zero. Why did they trade for him? I, I just don't understand. There's so many things right now that have my head completely just on the verge of, of, of explosion. James Cook barely utilized again. Once again, Josh Allen, you know, leads the team in rushes. No shock there or in rush yards. But the, the, the complete lack of trying to incorporate a way to get James Cook heavily involved in this offense and the complete Inability? I don't even know what word to use. The, the complete, they, would you, if, if you were asleep during the trade deadline, would you even know that Naheem Hines was on this team? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. How does Duke Johnson get two touches yesterday and Naheem Hines doesn't? What, what's the explanation? I have nothing on that one. I don't get it. So now we're in overtime and second and 10, second and 10, plenty of time and balls in your court balls. in. I mean, the game, you are in the driver's seat at the absolute worst. You settle for three. You leave there with a tie, which right now would be looking a lot better than a loss, right? As shitty as it would have been to settle for a tie. Would you not feel better today about it? I know I would. Second and 10. Second and 10. Go back and watch the play. It'll make you vomit. 
There's, there's barely any pressure. Allen's got all day, clear line of vision, nothing, nothing interrupting him. He's got two options right off the bat. If you watch the angle from behind Allen, kind of the close-up, all 22 type style, he's got multiple lanes that he can run through and would have the first down walking. And it's not like we didn't see him do that numerous times throughout the day. Not like we don't see him do that numerous times every single week. He could have waltzed for a first down. If you look to the right of your screen, Devin Singletary, he blocks and then he bounces off the block uh, for a screen route. He's wide open. Devin Singletary is wide open right in front of the line of scrimmage. He would have walked for a first down. Allen could have done anything on that play, including just throwing it in the stands. And on second and 10, with absolutely no need to go to the end zone, Allen rockets it to the end zone with absolutely nobody within the vicinity to catch it. And that, to me, is what's the biggest concern. The way Allen plays... He's going to throw interceptions. I'm fine with that. The way Allen plays, he's a gunslinger. He's constantly trying to make, to make the most of each play. And that's going to come with turnovers. It's just going to. You know, I'm pretty sure Peyton Manning, when he retired, he led the league. He led all of the NFL throughout history in, in interceptions. Does anybody care? No. Because of how great he was. Nobody cares. They're going to happen. But they can't happen like this when they're so blatantly avoidable. You understand if Josh Allen takes a deep shot to Gabe Davis and it gets picked off, right? You get it. But on these interceptions, I, there's just no excuse. And on that one in particular, if you want to make the excuse for Josh Allen on the fourth and two one, you can say, well, it was fourth down. What do you want him to do? Okay, fine, fine. But there is just, there isn't an excuse in existence for that interception in overtime. There isn't a single one. You cannot think of a single competent argument to back up that throw. And I just don't understand what's going on with him right now to think that that was the play to make there. And that is 100% a concern. It's not like it's the first time we've seen it. We've now seen it three straight games where he has had completely avoidable interceptions and they've wound up costing him two, uh, two of the games. I just hope he's getting, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all that's going to matter is getting into the playoffs and finding a way. And we saw the Bills last year in the playoffs played better ball in those two games than they had played really all year. You had just got to hope to God that this stuff gets weeded out right now. I, um, ah, man. And scrolling back up and through here, I just want to reiterate, I see people, you know, some guy, I don't know who it was. I don't, I don't think he's a Bills fan. He's like, oh, you know, how Classic Bills fans, Josh Allen's running over guy. Yes, I mean, can we, the, the, the thing I always try to harp in, on in here is that think, two things can be true at once, you know. Josh Allen 
There were moments yesterday where he's making plays that nobody else in the league can make. I mean, that's just how incredible he is. But you also have got to be honest and say, man, you know, those two picks, especially the overtime one, and then, of course, the fumble on the goal line, I mean, that's on Josh Allen. And the Bills are in a real tough spot, like I've said earlier in the show. They're in a real tough spot where it is so hard. And even with me, it's like I, I, I hate talking about the, the, the blatant errors from Josh Allen. I hate talking about it because you look at yesterday and you just know if he wasn't able to, I mean, not that you didn't know going into the game, but you saw yesterday. I mean, if, if Case Keenum's in that game, I mean, how bad was that game going to be? I mean, that game would have been over probably at half, maybe, maybe earlier. I don't know. I mean, it just would have been horrendous. And like I always say, with Josh Allen, you're always going to have a chance to win. And the crazy thing is, all three of their losses, because of Josh Allen, they have had a chance to win. But in two of those losses, you could argue three, but I really harp on the last two. In two of those losses, Josh Allen did just as much to hurt the team as he did to benefit him. Now, I know, like, the sample size seems, you know, it, 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 I mean, it is a lot at this point. It's three straight games. It is a lot. But the sample size over Allen's career and over the last year and a half or so, that's not what it boils down to. So we know that that can be avoidable. And you're not going to, I mean, this streak that he's on, yeah, it's bad. These, these intercept, this interception streak is bad. And Josh Allen right now, he's currently leading the league in interceptions with 10. And he has as many interceptions right now as he had in 2020. He had 10 in 2020. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a trend, right? And it's bad. But do you expect Josh Allen to throw two interceptions every single week going forward? No. I mean, this is going to come to a close at some point. You just hope that when he does, he doesn't revert back to what's going on here. I think we've, we, what, what, the good thing, the, the silver lining you can take from here, I guess, is all of these things happen. There's no way that there isn't a lesson learned here, right? There's no way that there isn't a lesson learned. And like I mentioned earlier, there's no one beating himself up more today than Josh Allen. So I just hope that whatever's going on there, trying to, you know, trying to make the, the throw that doesn't need to be made, trying to do the hero ball, the sugar high, like we like to say at times. Um, you just hope that it kind of gets away from itself. <sighs> the wild thing to me now, of course, is as we move on here, as we, as we kind of trek on to next week and the coming weeks here, I, the, the position the Bills are currently in is just, uh, it's just one I, never, I just never foresaw. I just never could have fathomed this now. Sitting at third place in the AFC East, sixth place in the AFC. And, you know, the bummer here, too, is a lot of these other teams – are hitting stride, whereas the Bills are hitting the opposite. The Bills had hit their stride early on in the year where other teams were still trying to find their footing. It seems now like everybody else is caught up to some degree. The Ravens are right there. The Titans, as poorly as they play week in and week out, man, they just win. They win games. Miami's offense is all of a sudden unstoppable. I can't discredit it any longer. I can't. Miami's offense is an absolute... Unit. 
They're just, they're on fire. They're hitting stride. Do I think the Jets are hitting any sort of stride or do I, what do I think about the Jets? I don't know. I don't think they're very good, but they're still right there. And in this league, we've, we've seen just teams find ways to win ugly in, in, in ways that you couldn't fathom week in and week out. They're right there. The Bills still have to play the Patriots twice. And now all of a sudden, the Bills are in the sixth spot. The Patriots are in the seventh. If the season ended today, all four AFC East teams would be in the playoffs. Four of the seven teams would be in the playoffs. I mean, I and never in my wildest dreams. We went into this season with the AFC West looking like it might be the greatest division we've ever seen in the NFL. And right now they have one team making the playoffs and that's the team that everybody was already writing in anyways, of course, the Chiefs. That's it. The rest of them aren't even close for the most part. The Raiders season's already over. Denver's not making the playoffs. The Chargers could, but I, I don't trust them. They're, all, they're beyond banged up. And they just always find a way to screw it. But the AFC East of all divisions with those teams, if the season ended today, all four teams are in. <sighs> Let me know how you're feeling in the comments here. I, I can only imagine. I mean, if you're, you're probably feeling like I am. Um, last week, we talked about the panic button, right? And I had said I had opened up I said through the first, you know, half of the year, I didn't even know there was a panic button in existence. And then after the second half of the Packers game and after the duration of the Jets game, I told you I found the panic button. I see it. I see it in its glass casing, and I, 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 I'm looking at it. I'm not hitting that panic button today. I'm not. When you really do get down to it, These losses absolutely suck, mainly because you know how avoidable they were. That's almost the beauty of it. I mean, so far, this by this point in the season last year, the Bills had lost a few games where they had gotten, they, they were just outclassed. This year, you know, you have three losses by a combined point total of eight points, right? And they're on this unprecedented trend of not doing anything in the second half. I have a tough time thinking that that disgusting type play, it, it just can't, it can't, it's, it's not like there's, there's like the, the, the Vikings, for instance, they have been one of the luckiest teams I've ever seen. They have been losing, I think the last five or so games every week in the fourth quarter. But hey, they, they make their own luck and they find a way to win. I can't fault them for that. But you can't tell me there wasn't some elements of luck in there yesterday for these, for these Vikings. Like I said, a play like Allen fumbling that, that snap has not happened in nearly 50 years. That's not sustainable, right? Winning games like that, losing in the fourth quarter every week and needing some miracle to happen to get it done is not sustainable. Playing as badly as the Bills have played the last three games in the second half that, to me, is not something that you can expect to continue to see every single week. It is 100% a concern. It's 100% a concern. But do I think that it's going to stick around and last for the whole season? I don't. 
if you look at what the Bills did early on in the year and you look at what they've done since the bye, you know, the ultimate solution is they got to find a healthy medium or a healthy median. In the beginning of the year, right, they were just destroying everybody, trouncing teams, kicking the living hell out of everybody and, and walking out of the building with a multi-score win. Since the bye, all the games have been close and they're finding ways to implode. A healthy median right there would be perfect. And that's going to come down to finding a way to play a consistent four quarters of football. And they have got to stop killing themselves after they do something positive. Like stopping the Vikings on the inch line and then fumbling it on your own inch line for a touchdown, right? Or turning the ball over three times in and around the end zone. Not throwing interceptions that are blatantly avoidable. James coming in with the super chat. Shout out, James. I'm calling out McDermott. Didn't go for a field goal, and then when the Vikings are driving at the end of the fourth, he calls two timeouts. Basically not trusting his D. Come on, man. Um, scratch my head a little bit on remembering the, the whole timeout situation. I think it's probably because the, the Vikings were already down right near the end zone. I think you have to call those timeouts. I mean, because the only reason you're calling those timeouts is to give your offense a chance. You're assuming at the very worst, or at the very, yeah, the very worst, you're assuming at the very worst, it's either going to be a touchdown or a, or a field goal. You have to call those timeouts. If you don't call the timeouts, then the Bills would never have had a chance to get the ball back. When they did get the ball back, they only had, what, 37 seconds or so? So they had to call those timeouts there. Now, as far as the, the, the field goal situation, I would have taken the points 100%. But I, to me, I, I have a tough time arguing against the decision when you have Josh Allen. What I will argue against is, is the Bills just completely bailing on the run game in that situation. It is third and two. You already have the knowledge that you are going to be going for it on fourth down. How do you not at least attempt one rush in those two plays? And at the very least, if you're going to throw it, why does both throws go to the end zone when you need two yards? Why is there not a short route involved there? A dump off, something, a Josh Allen scramble if you're going to throw it or look to throw it. That, to me, is what needs to be talked about. Not necessarily the McDermott decision. You can argue it for sure. I would have taken the points, especially the way you've seen how tough points have been to come by in these second halves recently. But I can't argue it. When you got Josh Allen, that's a, that's a moment in the game where you expect to be able to take advantage of an unearthly type athlete at quarterback. I just hated the play calls. And I hated the execution. But I really can't fault McDermott all that much there. I think there's also situations, and we've been through this a million times. There's also, you know, if they kick the field goal and they and they don't go up by two scores and, and they lose the game in regulation uh, 31 to 30 or whatever, then we're bitching at McDermott for for not going for it there, right? This, uh, hindsight's always 2020, but what isn't hindsight is the criticism of of the uh, of the play calling there. 
and the execution. That, to me, is what needs to be highlighted there when it comes to those two plays. Because that really did them in. So, looking ahead here, here come the Browns, right? And Cleveland's an odd team. It's a team that uh, I don't think you can overlook. There's no team in the league anymore that I think the Bills can overlook um, at this, the way that things have been going right now. And uh, they're just a team that always seems to be able to, to put up some sort of a fight, but they have a real tough time closing it out. They just got destroyed by Miami uh, yesterday, 39-17. to 17. But the week prior, they also put a licking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Played a real tough game against the Ravens, 23-20. to 20. Got destroyed by the, the Patriots. Real close game with the Chargers. Real close game with the Falcons. So they, they do put up a fight. And when they do lose, it's either close. It, for the most part, it's typically close. And they've also had wins that are just uncharacteristic for how good you think that they are. I mean, they destroyed uh, Pittsburgh. Destroyed the Bengals. That's still a head stretcher. I mean, they're all over the place. They're really, they're really a tough team to define. Lose by a point to the Jets. A lot of their games are just super close. Two points against the Panthers. One point against the Jets. Two points with the Chargers. Three points with the Falcons. Three points with the Ravens. Really a tough team to define. But, uh, but, I mean, there's no, there's no sugarcoating it. The Bills are obviously the better team. Even after what's happened the last couple of weeks, the Bills still go into that game as a full touchdown favorite. And this is a team that, I mean, in, in, in Cleveland, you got to remember, for Jacoby Brissett's sake, at least, this is going to be his last start as a Cleveland Brown. Deshaun Watson set to return the following week. So you got to think for Jacoby Brissett's sake, or excuse me, he's set to return in uh, two games after that. He'll be back. Deshaun Watson will be back December 4th against the Texans. So this is one of Jacoby Brissett's final two games as the starter of the Cleveland Browns. And you have got to think that if anybody's going in there dying to win that game, nothing to lose. It's Jacoby Brissett, right? This team's got nothing to lose. They're not making the playoffs. And this current unit has nothing to lose either because they're, at least for Jacoby Brissett, I mean, his job's done. The second, Deshaun Watson's eligible. And that run game is probably not going to be nearly as utilized as it is currently when Deshaun Watson returns. And you have uh, Nick Chubb, who's been playing maybe the best running back, uh, or maybe the best ball at the running back position all year. And Kareem Hunt, who's a great compliment to Nick Chubb. I mean, that's as good of a, a running back tandem as you can get in the NFL. And we have seen the last couple of weeks here, the Bills, even though they, they looked like they were back on track yesterday, you can't say that they were when they give up an 81-yard touchdown that wound up really being a huge dagger in that game. And this is going to be a team, I mean, this is as good as it gets as far as uh, the run game is concerned, this Cleveland Browns team. So that is going to be a real interesting element of this game. Can the Bills stop the run for Cleveland? But with that said, this is an opportunity where the Bills should be able to get a bounce back, right? Teams put up points on the Cleveland Browns. The Patriots scored 38. The Dolphins just scored 39. Chargers put up 30. Jets put up 31. The Bills have no excuse going into this one. This defense allows points. 
and it's at home. And I have a really, the Bills have been playing much better at home than on the road. I mean, even yesterday, even though you lose, it's still the most points they've put up in a loss, right? It was still the closest it's been. And it really should have been over, right? I mean, you can argue all, all the rest of the games, oh, they should have won, they should have won. I mean, yesterday it was one. It was one. You have the ball to, to, to kneel it away. So I do think the Bills get back on track here. What I'm looking for is can, not only can they win, but can they get back to getting us into a confidence level where we look at them through the lens yesterday of what we've seen the last three weeks and say, okay, that looked good. I'm just looking for four quarters of consistent ball. We can expect them to come out in the first half and be, get off to a hot start. That's what they've done. Can they carry that into the second half? The biggest thing I'm looking for next week can the Bills put together a solid outing in the second half? And can Josh Allen not have a multi-interception game? Those are the two things I'm looking for. Avoid multiple turnovers and put together a solid second half. It's a good place to start. That's something that we need to see. And then you can carry that into a Thanksgiving game against the Lions where you're once again in front of the whole world in a game where you are going to be heavily favored. Can you take these next two opportunities? Can you take these next two opportunities, use them to your advantage, build on them, and then carry that momentum throughout the rest of the year? Because after these, new, these next two games, this is where it's basically playoff-type football. You got the Browns, you got the Lions. You then have three straight AFC East games. One in which being a primetime Thursday nighter in New England. And as it stands right now, the December 18th game against the Dolphins, it currently does not have a time slot slated for it. I could almost guarantee you that that game is going to wind up being put into a primetime type slate, if not the late window uh, at night the later afternoon window. You can almost pencil that in. That game's going to be too significant. So after the Browns and the Lions, when we enter December, we have three straight AFC East games. And of the, uh, of the next five games after those two games, it's three AFC East games and the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. And I'll tell you right now, if you look at the the playoff seating the Cincinnati Bengals are just on the outside looking in they're tied with the Chargers for eighth place they're just on the outside looking in and by the time we roll around to that week in the season the Chargers are, or the the Bengals are more than likely going to be in a playoff type game where they're going to have to win in order to get in so not taking anything for granted, not overlooking anything, but when you look at the rest of the schedule here, these next two games are going to be about as good of an opportunity as you're going to get to build on, gain some momentum, and then move forward because it's not easy to end it out at all. I think looking at it earlier in the year, you might have thought it was, but the way things have panned out, you're facing three straight playoff teams as of right now after Thanksgiving, back to back to back. So... This is the time, man. This is the time. I hope what we have seen here is a sample size that we, can, we, 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 don't, we aren't getting used to. 
I'm starting to get used to it. That's the shitty thing here. Over the last two and a half, you know, two and a half games here, counting the half, the second half with the Green Bay Packers, over that, over that time period, I'm starting to get used to this. And like I told you earlier in the show, my confidence has really taken a knock. I would love to see that go more towards the positive direction over the next two weeks here. And I think that there couldn't be a better opportunity to do it. So that's that. Let's go through some comments here before we wind up closing up shop. Appreciate all you guys in here, by the way. We had a great crowd in here tonight. And I know that that probably means that uh, everybody is looking for an outlet to more. And I'm glad you decided to stop by with me tonight because you need it, man. You need it. I know there's a lot of different people in here. They're saying, you know, we're fine, chill, or, you know, that's what, that's when, you know, the bill is lost, right? You got so you got people handle it in so many different ways. I'm just trying to be honest here. That's all you can take that as however you want. You can take that whichever way you'd like. I know what I, what I feel. Right. I'm just trying to be honest. A lot of people who are on one complete end of the spectrum where the sky is falling and everything is wrong and the season's over. There's other people on the other end of the spectrum where, you know, Josh Allen can do no wrong. This team is fine. They're just, they're completely fine. Nothing to worry about. There's uh, just a couple of, you know, mistakes they got to clean out and they'll be fine. I try to be in the middle there where both things can be true. Do I think that this team is fine? Do I think they're a playoff team? And do I still think that they're one of the biggest threats in this league? 100%. Has Josh Allen statistically and visibly not been playing nearly his best football over the last several years? Is this offense playing terribly in the second half? Is this defense making one or two massive mistakes each week to put the team in a bad position? 100%. 100%. Try and cut it down the middle and look at it objectively. Now, either side... There's ne- there never needs to be a full-on reality at either side. Because like I mentioned, we have nine games played this year. The majority of them have been dominant. The last three, not so much. We now go into the next phase of the next three games. What happens then? The Bills have an unbelievable opportunity in front of them to get back on the right track. So, just wanted to say I appreciate everybody's line- train of thought in here. Because everybody handles these losses differently. And I get it. It's an irrational thing. There's no way to summarize it. So if you're super pissed and you're looking at me and you're like, hey, screw you, bot. You know, all you do is complain and blame. That's fine. I have no problem with that. This is the place to come and do that. That's fine. You have every right to say that. We all handle these things differently. If you come in here and say, oh, you're 100% spot on, Bob. We got to blame this guy. We have to blame this side and that side. We have to look at it objectively. That's fine, too. And then if for some reason you're not a Bills fan at all and you're in here just doing your thing, hey. I can't stop you. It's Monday night. If you're bored, hey, come on in. But I just want to say thanks to everybody because this is a perfect outlet, I think, to be able to do that. And I always appreciate being able to come on here and do this. This makes me feel 10 times better, whether you know it or not. I mean, I haven't really spoken to anybody since that game out of yesterday. I just didn't want to talk about it. My girlfriend asked me about it. I go, nope, nope. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Nope. Earlier today, I'm at the 7-Eleven. I have this get up on. I, I'm asking for it, right? I have the, the hat on, the coat on, walk into 7-Eleven. Woman goes, uh, go Bills. And I go, it's like that TikTok. You ever seen that TikTok where the girl's d- doing the dances while she's crying? She's doing the TikTok dances while she's crying. That's exactly how I felt. I'm like, I'm like fighting back, just wanting to just, 
I don't know, cry, throw up both. I'm like, go Bills. And then she goes, ah, did they win yesterday? She didn't know. I mean, obviously, she's just a casual fan who lives upstate. And, I'm like, and then I had to get into it. And I'm like, ah, nope. Nope, didn't go our way, you know. So tonight was, this was the first time I really delved into it. And I feel a lot better. And I hope you guys do too. Here's Yard coming in. Get to his super chat. He goes, be honest, Smug. Would you trust McDermott to win you a close game in the Super Bowl? These lost games that train them to make better decisions. Man, that's a great question. Man, that is a really good question. I love McDermott. I really do. I, I, I love what he brings to this team. I think he's a high-character guy. I think all these guys respect the hell out of him. I know he wants nothing but the best for this team. I think he gets the most out of these guys. And yeah, there's, there's been plenty of times I think you could argue where the decision-making is a bit, it, maybe it's a bit inferior to some of the other greats in this league, like Andy Reid, Belichick, and we've seen that. But I also think Sean McDermott is on a very short list of some of the best coaches in this league. And I, I got to tell you, man, you know, Sean McDermott is not the one. He's not, he's not making the errors that ultimately have wound up costing this team the, the, these games the past couple of weeks. I mean, yes, Sean McDermott, he, he, didn't, he didn't choose to have the team kick the field goal yesterday. But he also wasn't the one who didn't run the ball. He also wasn't the one who didn't throw the ball into the end zone. He also didn't, you know, he didn't tell Josh Allen to go out and have a miscue snap with Mitch Morse. So I think a lot of these things, it's easy. Everybody wants to blame the coach a lot of the time. I've seen plenty of it. I get it. There's blame to go around. That's why I always try to preface that. There's plenty of blame to go around. There's plenty of blame on the defense yesterday. There's blame on the coaching staff. And there's blame on the offense and Josh Allen. There's blame all the way up and down. That's just a fact. It's a team game, man. But sometimes, week in and week out, you're going to notice that some sides deserve more blame than the others. That's just the way it goes. And we've, we've been through this a million times. The Chiefs game last year. We all know that the blame for that loss, the general consensus the blame for that loss is the way the defense handled the final drive of the game. Nobody's blaming the offense and Josh Allen in that one. Why? Because there's no blame to be, to be, to be handed out there. They were the reason that that game was where it was at. It was the reason that they should have won it. Every game's different. Every game's different. And that's why I'm just hoping to get back to some consistent ball here. That's all I'm hoping for. Bartek, my brother. Coming in, he's saying, Z-Bot hit us with the cold truth in the beginning and ended with a very thin blanket afterward. Appreciate you, bro. Hey, tuck in on the blanket all you want. I don't want to get comfortable here. I don't want to get comfortable with, I don't want to get comfortable with what we saw in the beginning of the year. And I think that's what we did too, as fans. I think we got a little too comfortable with dominance. And perhaps this team did too. I don't think you can write that off. What I don't want to do is get comfortable with what we've seen the last three weeks. The problem is I'm starting to get a bit, I'm starting to get into that territory where it's becoming almost routine these last three weeks where you're just expecting something to happen. And the thing is, that was the old Bills. And that's what bothers me the most is the old Bills is when you expect something really bad to happen. When you expect an implosion or a once in a generation type play like yesterday's fumbled snap or finding a way to just give the ball up. That's the old Bills. 
And that's what made the has made the Josh Allen era of Buffalo so much, you know, so enjoyable is that that seemed to have vanished. I don't want to get back to that anytime soon. I don't. So let's hope that we can just get this shit figured out. Because when this team is humming, they don't even, and the, the thing is, they don't even have to be as good as they were against like the Rams or the Titans or the Steelers. They don't even have to be at that level to still be the playoff of the Super Bowl favorite. I mean, that level of play that they were playing at in those games was so far beyond what the rest of the league was doing. We just need to find a, a median, like I'm, like I was saying, where you don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be necessarily that, but it certainly can't be what we've seen over the last couple of weeks in the second half. Got to find a way to get a consistent median there, and that's what I'm hoping for. I think that's what we're all hoping for. All right, over an hour and a half in the books. Just looking down here, wow, the uh, you know, no shortage of craziness every week. Just before half in a uh, NFC East bout, the undefeated Eagles. Down 14 to 17 against Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. Somebody better give these Eagles a loss, please. You look at their schedule, it might not be easy to get there. So we'll see if the Commanders can hang on. Thank you for hanging on tonight. I really appreciate it. Like I said earlier, and I'll say it a million times, I can't thank you guys enough. These This makes losing so much more tolerable. So I really appreciate you coming out tonight. And I look forward to having you back same time, same place next week, Monday night, 8 p.m., Smoke break on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel and hopefully talking about these Buffalo Bills getting back on track. Look forward to seeing you then. Cannot wait. Enjoy the rest of your week. Try and put this one in the rear view. And as always, 